Hello there and welcome to the podcast Biblical Question. And today I want to talk about the power of prophecy. The power of prophecy. If you want to open your Bibles and follow along, I'll be starting off in, in Isaiah chapter 46 and then we'll go to Psalm 22. This is something that just never ceases to amaze me, the, the power that prophecy has. Have you ever been invited to a movie by your friends and, and they tell you how great that movie is and it has a different kind of ending? So when you go to see the movie, you keep saying, you know, hey, don't tell me how it ends. I don't want to know. I want to find out for myself. But what happens, someone tells you. And they ruin the whole movie for you. And that might be even true with a good book. Have you ever been to a movie and one of your family members seems to be that one person that can just tell you the next scene? And what really gripes you is that they're always right. So the next time you go to a movie, you decide, well, maybe I don't want to go with that person. He always ruins the plot for me. To be able to know the end from the beginning is mind-boggling. And yet, this is exactly what God claims for himself in his word in the scripture we call the Bible. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there was no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things which had not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish it all my good pleasure. Today we have a lot of people claiming to be able uh, to see the future and be a prophet. I recall uh, shortly after September 11, the attacks in New York City, I began to get these emails that said, hey look, Nostradamus, he predicted these tragic events a long time ago, clear back in the 16th century to be exact. Then a few weeks later I started getting emails saying that someone had misread his predictions. But you see, this happens over and over again. We see it every time you go to the grocery store, those crazy little gossip magazines or newspapers they sitting there in the rack as you're checking out. They all claim to know something that you and I do not know. So they, they try and, and lure you into buying the magazine. It's funny about those papers and what not, they have found nothing, but they would never admit to that. But people will buy them anyway. They will spend their hard-earned money on, on gossip. But somehow, they always have to also have new releases every month. The result of this is most folks are pretty unsure about such claims when it comes to prophecy. So, why are we to believe that the Bible is able to predict such events of the future? If people cannot do that today, again and again, those claims are false. Why should we believe that people were able to do that 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago? You know, I know there are some people currently in our society today walking around on the planet claiming to be a prophet. And they're telling us all kinds of things. And when that day and time comes, it never happens. 
I remember one fellow said if somebody donated him a million dollars, God had, had told him that he's going to strike him dead. And, of course, when that day came and went, he, he said God had given him an extension on his life. So let us take a, a moment to explain a role of a prophet. Because it's important that we understand what a prophet was before we get into prophecy. The term prophet is south, south really just means a mouth of God. In other words, that function of that prophet is a mouthpiece for God. So most prophets did when they were talking to the people and how they needed to turn back to God is really coming from God. How they needed to get serious about their worship. The, the book of Isaiah and really Jeremiah too are two great examples of simply speaking of the issues of the time and telling people, thus saith the Lord. Only occasionally do we read where a prophet was really a future teller. And generally we think of, of the prophets of all uh, foretelling the future, but that's not necessarily always true. A prophet simply speaks the word of God. And again, for the, for the most part, the prophets are speaking about current events. Then every once in a while, they will speak of the future and that it was really grabs your attention. Now, how is that possible? How could someone really do that? You see, because we're all prisoners of time walking around on the globe here. The only events in which I'm really sure about are those events that I have experienced within my lifetime. Now, I know that there's a lot of stuff out there, and I've read a lot of the history books of what's happened in the past. But just like there will be things in the future, if the Lord will let me experience those things. But I really don't have a clue what those are. I don't know what your future holds either. So you and I are really trapped in this envelope called time. So how could someone speak of future events that had not happened. So what if there was it's like somebody who existed outside of time, one who created time, and this is a whole new ball game here. We're talking about someone who could move move outside of time. We see here in a few moments here one of the the descriptions that God would give himself is simply I am. I am who I am. Moses would say, who are you? And God would reply, I am. Back in Exodus chapter 3. This is how God would describe himself. So what is God really trying to say here? God is simply saying, he exists. Whatever time it is, past, present, or future, God is there. God is saying, it doesn't matter if it is in the past, present, or future. Now that you and I can say those things not only God can know those things don't feel bad I some people really think they can tell the tell the future and I don't know how they can claim it and get by with it uh, we can see things we can know the signs of the times and whatnot and get some ideas but at the end of the day uh, those things could be interpreted uh, wrongly we need to understand that there is such a being that exists and that 
He speaks through the mouths of prophets. Of course, we're talking about God again. Is there is there proof that such a being exists? Exists, excuse me. I believe that the biblical prophecy provides that proof in a very convincing way. So let's let us look here in Psalm 22. There's two messianic prophecies today. I think these two are very strong cap- cases uh, to be able to prove that God exists and that he does speak through men that we call prophets. And as we read this section of scripture, I, I really want you to think about everything that you know about the crucifixion. Psalm 22, the first 18 verses, reads this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I am not silent. Yet you enthroned as the Holy One, you are the praise of Israel. In your fathers put their trust. They trusted, and, and you delivered them. They cried to you, and they were saved. In you they trusted, and they were not disappointed. Verse 6, But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by men, and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults at me, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you at every, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb, womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls. They encircle me, roaring lions, tearing their prey with open mouths, wide open against me. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a, a postured and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet, and I can count all my bones. People stare, and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Listeners, A thousand years before the crucifixion, David has described the scene at the cross. And he's right on. If you really, really read this, he's right on. Notice what he knows as he writes this. He knows that Jesus' words on the cross. You can see over there in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46 About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David knows that Jesus would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David knows the the attitude of the crowd. This is a mean crowd. They're, They're mocking him as he hangs helplessly on a cross. 
Verse 41, Matthew 27. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. He, if he delights in him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The robbers who have been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. David re refers to this thirst of, of Jesus on the cross back in chapter 22 and verse 15 again. It says, my, my strength is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me out in the dust of death. How does David know all of this? King David does not know what crucifixion is. The, the punishing of people by this means and time in David, that he spoke here in, in verse 16 of the psalm, Dogs have surrounded me, a band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Listeners, I, I really don't know how much more clear of a picture you could have of nails in the hands and the feet that a body that has been pierced. Again, verse 18, They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. This is really striking. And Why is that? Because some people could say, well, up to this point, uh, this is really not a prophecy at all, that, that Jesus could have simply just been quoting uh, this verse. But this verse here, 18, is really completely out of control of Jesus. These men who are guards, are, they're taking advantage of the situation. Roman guards who, who did not want to, to divide up the garments. So here we have David describing this picture a thousand years before it happened. Read John chapter 19. In this, it is precisely what is going on. In Psalm 22, centuries and centuries before this actually happened, you can watch the crucifixion through the eyes of Jesus. Listen to the psalm. It's, it's in first person. This is not a description of someone standing back and, and looking at the cross. This is a description of one hanging uh, by crucifixion. Here is proof of one who knows the end from the beginning. And our second example i know this is a kind of a long uh, reading but please bear with me isaiah 53 we're going to read the first uh, 11 verses or so who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed he grew up before him like a tender shoot like a root out of dry ground he has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one who made hide their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he, he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we consider him stricken by God smitten by him and afflicted 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a, a lamb to slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers is silent. He did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he has taken away, and all who can speak of his descendants. For he was cut off from the land of the living, and for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor any deceit was in his mouth. Yet the Lord, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, and through the Lord makes his life a guilt offering. He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Folks, this was written 700 years before it happened. And again, Isaiah describes in detail the price that's going to be paid for our salvation. If you notice some of the details that are, are shared here in verse 7 uh, of Matthew chapter 27, Jesus refuses to defend himself. And you can see Jesus standing there to all the false claims that were made against him, but yet he never utters a word. This, of course, would really kind of puzzle Pilate. And Pilate would ask Jesus, why don't you defend yourself? Because Pilate really doesn't get it. But Isaiah did, 700 years before it was wrote, it happened. In verse 18, if you would read the gospel account, again, Matthew chapter 27, what else would you call his arrest? Again, Isaiah describes the, the circumstances of the attitude of those who sought to kill Jesus. In verse 9 here, John chapter 19, Jesus was assigned a grave, and it wasn't his, but you can see that it was precisely what happens. It's a borrowed tomb, a new tomb. And Isaiah hits it right on the nose, square on. How was Isaiah able to push aside seven centuries and be able to describe these events? Only if there was one in whom we call God. Who is able to see the end from the beginning? Who is able to deal with time in a way that you and I cannot understand? God points out something that's very important to us all. It should be our salvation. You see, our salvation is no accident. It is a result of a loving God, a graceful God, who had a plan from the beginning of time. Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
in love. We only looked at two prophecies in this podcast from the Old Testament. There are many more of these throughout the Old Testament. It is a story that is woven throughout the Old Testament and how God would know what was going to happen in the life of Jesus. The only real answer is, I am. I am who I am. I have created time and I can move in time and outside of time. He is not bound by time. Understanding something that should really deeply touch us all. In the garden, the night before his death, Jesus, he knows what's going to happen to him. It's very clear to me that he knows what's going to happen, that he prays for the cup to pass. It is due to the fact that he knows that the events are approaching, that the wrath of God was going to be poured out on him, that he was going to have to endure the cross for us. He's not afraid of the cross. I've heard that teaching, and that's garbage. Why would the king of glory tell you and me to pick up our cross every day if he was afraid to pick up his? I, I'm sorry, I, don't, I, I think that's totally wrong. And as he prays there in the garden, he is so intent, he's so deep in prayer that blood drops fall off his forehead. He knows what David has written. He knows what the prophet Isaiah had wrote. Fulfilled prophecy is powerful evidence, not only to inspire us and the inspiration of Scripture, but also show us the wonderful love of God. I hope that you're ready to respond to the love of God if you do not know that. and To be ready to acknowledge Christ and have Him in your life. I certainly hope and pray that this podcast that we are doing, it's touching lives. and We have had several uh, people commenting positively. We praise God for that. God deserves the glory. And... Uh, we have over 50-some countries now of downloads and listening and places that it's not popular to be a Christian. So we pray that you're always able to listen safely and that you are being edified and that you really are seeking and wanting to know who Christ is. You can find out more about us and listen to the podcast as well on our webpage. Click on the appropriate link and you can listen to it. That webpage is biblicalquestion.com. We would appreciate that you would go there and check things out. Until next time, may God bless you and may he have all the glory.